Welcome to the Boosie Black Brother Network. Good evening and welcome to M3 Millennial Money Management where we talk about management, all types of different subjects that millennials really have an insight on or need to have an insight on. And I'm here with my co-host, Chaz. What's going on, brah? What's up, what's up? Uh, just a quick update. I got another alias. Yes, another one. Of course you do. So, uh, Tracksuit Tommy. Tracksuit Tommy. <laughs> what happened to uh, Tracksuit Timothy? didn't like it. I was okay. also debating uh, 2% tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> 2% like the milk. You know what I'm saying? See, you know what I'm see, saying? See, right there. You know what I'm saying? Like two peas, like you get punched, one in the two. Right, two, right, two right. It's like 2%. Two peas. Yeah. I, I thought that's too deep. With a biscuit, people won't I, know. They won't get it. They're not going to get it. I got you. <laughs> well, we got two special guests like, like with it. us today. Uh, my resident guest is my wife, Alicia. Hello. So she's here, and we're going to be passing the mic on. So when you hear all this fidgeting and all of that, then we'll go from there. But once you introduce our guest, Chaz. All right. So this is a friend of mine. We got cool about 2.5 years ago. 2.5. 1.5. Who knows? I, I don't know the math. It was about 2%. About two. Ah, look at that. He's a he's a comedian. That's why he's on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but but he has an interesting story. You know, uh, he gave me advice back when I was a wee little intern. Wee. I was trying to find my way. Guy, you know, who's like guidance north star on the plantation. Uh, you know, was that anyway? Lost puppy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> are you going by giving the government name? Yeah, my name is Justin Fontenot, uh, informa- information security consultant at a major financial institution. Mm. Or he sells crack. It depends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the yeah. side, uh, yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yes. Recent no. father. That's- <laughs> 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 got to make ends meet. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think he has good insight, and I'm just I'm excited about this episode. Everybody in the studio, I think we can just jump into this one. Exactly. So couple of background um yeah just just running because information security is really hot right now and one of the things that we wanted to add in as well as a little background of our guests is that insight because it's not going to stop and until our government has it as a priority we had that on our repo Mm -hmm. uh actually podcast talking about how the government is so behind on upgrading Anything that it comes to technology, um, hence the Facebook um, Congress deal. But um, let's go straight with background. Yeah, yeah, because uh, me and Justin actually, I forget one of our first. So we actually we we met just because we sat like across each other or near each other, right? Really and close, yeah. I forget, I remember, but it was it was almost I won't say high school, but we we would just talk shit and crack jokes. Yeah, like a lot of the time. <laughs> 
They come in looking all disheveled. Be like, "Come on, man! I know you're an intern. You gotta clean it up. Clean it up. Don't you want to move up in the world? Yeah. Oh, wait a, I, can't, I was looking disheveled. Yeah. Oh yeah. Remember, I gave you, I gave you shit for your nappy hair. I was like, "Oh, Chaz, you gotta get your hair. Wow. You, gotta, you gotta get your hair clean, bro. I like that. It looks better. It looks better now. I'll say that. I don't remember a that. little bit. <laughs> I think, I think Justin didn't understand natural hair. He was being racist. Uh, <laughs> I gotta throw him under the bus on that. Go. My hair probably did look fucked up. But I'm not gonna let him have it. But, but you see what I'm saying? Like, Good comeback, was, though. Good comeback. But, right, yeah, yeah. But, you, you can always fall back on it. But it was, always use that card. Right, you know, just. Right. Pull that out all the time. But it was just what I appreciate about him was, you know, he was just like he took the time to give me advice to say, hey, blah blah blah. No, listen to me. Just trying to, you know, understand the workplace. That that particular. Um, the nuances there and all the culture of it mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. goals. Um, so yeah, you know, he would. We just kind of bonded over time like that. And um, I remember one conversation because I we could relate just based on the background. So I just want to talk about that. Yeah, sure. So like um, kind of your how you came up. Yeah, I bounced around. Uh, kind of broken home. Grew up without a father um, and a mother who had some serious drug problems for a good portion of my childhood. Uh, in and out of living with her and then living with my grandparents, um, which was the probably the saving grace was just the periods of time with my grandparents, right. much more structured. Grandfather was retired military um, and would go back and forth, um, you know, lots of criminal di- difficulty. I got arrested several times as a juvenile. Uh, and then there was like a breaking point where I was like 16 and I had... St- basically stopped going to school but i didn't tell anybody uh but i still kept trying to go and play football so i'd go to practice and stuff and then one day i guess when semester like mid-semester point when the grades got reported to the coaching staff they cut me from the team and let my parents know at the same time um that i had I, i was failing every single class um and that was because i'd basically not attended So my parents decided to send me to live with my grandparents permanently at that point to finish high school and hopefully, you know, have a chance to salvage it. So here in Georgia? Yeah. So uh, most of originally from most of the younger childhood was down in Tampa, Florida. Okay, so you moved up. Yep. Yep. Um, And then I moved up and then most of middle childhood, I would say, adolescent into teenager was in Atlanta, um, in, in northern, like the suburbs, up in Woodstock area. Okay. And then uh, eventually, like when the straw broke the camel's back, I got sent to live with my grandparents. They were in Augusta, Georgia. Oh, you went out to Augusta. Yeah, so, and, and it was funny. They, the school I actually went to there was much worse from a crime <laughs> perspective. It was, well, I it got, was Augusta. Yeah, you know, I, just... I got in a lot more trouble immediately upon arriving there but then the structure reeled me back in gotcha. and allowed me to recover okay so you you did say that you know you gave him some good advice and and kind of got Chaz on track did did you have anyone other than your grandparents that when you moved from i guess getting out of high school deciding what you want to do was there anyone out there saying dude you need to go this way yeah, or like- are you, yeah, any mentorship or any person you kind of said, wow, that guy makes sense. I'm going to listen. Yeah. So my grandfather was a really big role model for me. Um, I was in the military program, the JROTC program at my high school once I lived with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that created some, you know, 
challenges and then also things to pursue from accomplishment perspective. Actually, that's probably now that I think about it, a big reason for my success as well Mm -hmm. is that I got that structure and discipline in school. In addition to at the home front, um, I would say it's probably uh, a smattering of people throughout my life. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been several people who, even when I was younger, going through much more rough activities and, and just the difficulty of living in that situation. Uh, you know, there are people that I remember that had an, that left an imprint. Um, and, you know, I actually, like five years ago, had an exercise where I went out of my way to try and track all those people down. Really? Yeah. And, and wow. thank them for their role. What, what prompted you to, to do that? I had stayed connected with one of them through Facebook, and he happened to be my elementary school counselor that I had in fifth grade. Wow. And I I don't know how he found me. He just sent me a request one day when I was a teenager, and I'd stayed connected with him very, very seldomly. And then, you know, I saw him on Facebook, and I was like, I'm just going to reach out to this guy. After I graduated college and Mm -hmm. felt way more proud of what I had built out of my past, um, so I decided to thank him. And the feeling just the overwhelming emotions I had when doing that and having that conversation with him. I mean, the man cried on the phone with me, you know, he told me that this is why he does his work. And, um, it made me proactively search for the others that I had remembered in my life. No, that's so to me, that's amazing because I kind of kept up with them and then it was like, they're gone. Yeah. But, those people kind of make you who you are. Absolutely. And sometimes they don't know. Cause I ran into a person that I was mentoring and didn't realize I was mentoring. Yeah. And you remember we was in the, in the mall. So the guy ran out of the men's warehouse. He was running in there and was like, Mike, Mike. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me. He said, Mike, don't you remember me? And I was like, Oh yeah. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then he went through it and I realized who he was. And he was like, man, I really appreciate you. You, you, you put me on the track where I needed to be. And I was like, Oh my God, I've done this. And, and that made me think that sometimes when you touch people, you don't realize what you're doing. Yeah. And then when you reach back to say, thank you, then they, that gives them something too. Absolutely. So, you know, that's great for you to kind of illustrate that because I think more of us need to do that because there's a I lot of people so. who just think they're not doing much at all but don't realize the impact they did on a lot of people's and, lives. You know, I, you know, I think from my perspective, um, just when I was younger, like in the fifth grade, I had, you know, I had a teacher just asking me, hey, you know, do you have a place to stay? Do you have, you know, are you eating? And, and at the time, I didn't really think about it. Mm-hmm. But just as an adult, I'm like, she's clearly concerned. Yeah, it's like, you know, that's not a normal yeah, question exactly. to right. ask. And I'm just like, man. So it was, I can imagine from her, you know, her perspective as a teacher, you know, wonder what, whatever happened. I hope, you know, it's kind of like a bit of closure and, you know, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. I, I definitely, you know, you definitely just inspire me right now just to do some searching on LinkedIn or something. Yeah, it wasn't easy, especially because some of these people you haven't spoken with or even heard of in 20 years plus, you know. But, Justin, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, I I feel like that was where it derived from, was my self-pride I had built. But it's not selfish pride. It's you know where it came from. Yeah. Well, okay, but let's let's keep going. So before we we jump ahead too far with the pride, Ah. um, because I'm curious, so this, this is about... I want people to understand just the how people accomplish what they accomplish. Right. So, first, were you, were, were was it 
expected for you to go to college or for your university, vocational? What was the plan after high school? I, I mean, well, after high school at that point, yeah. It was, it was expected for you? Yeah, okay. pretty much because I had I had decided I was going to go to the military academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I applied and, and got into North Georgia College and State, which was like they consider themselves the little sister of West Point. It's mm-hmm. like the second most prestigious um, army academy in in the country, apparently something of the like. Yeah. So they, they model themselves exactly after West point and they actually have a lot of West point puts their hands in there and actually helps them mold the program or did early on. Um, And I went there for my first year of college. Um, So yeah, so it was pretty planned from junior year that I was going to go to college, but I will say that my, both my, well, all three of the years after I had moved in with my grandparents, I took, basically all my high school in the summer mm. because I would fail <laughs> what? And fail and fail and just take it all over again. So yeah. how, how did, don't you have to pay for summer school? Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, I, I have a lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so that I, approach carried into college, unfortunately for me. And I subsidized my own way through loans. Right, so right, right. I, I made a lot of bad decisions financially. I didn't have any. That was one thing I really lacked. Mm-hmm. I right. had all this self-pride. I knew I started to gain confidence in my abilities and my intelligence and my ability to adapt and, and read situations and people. Um, but then, you know, looking back now, five years ago even, I had no financial skills. Gotcha. Really? So I put myself in a big hole. So I was still working through that, climbing out of it as we speak. How did you pick your major? Because all right, so you did your first year at this school. You transferred, or yeah. Oh, well, that's so. Talk <laughs> about career transition. Education transition happened rapidly. I went into military academy with mm-hmm. a uh, pursuit of um, like a political, political uh, public relations and and international politics background. Wow. Um, so and, what brought that on? Uh? So that was just really interest in. I really liked learning about history at the time, international okay. conflict. But I, I noticed that my I, I myself gravitated when I would study it more towards the upper workings of it. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, I wish I could give a good example, but you know, this king screwed this king's cousin or something <laughs> like that, right? Like that kind of stuff. I found I became more interested in the high macro level right, drama right. that was occurring. Yeah. Controversial. That's, mu- that's oversimplified. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Right. It sounds like it's, it's not like you're interested in the. Hey, what happened? Yeah, Steve shot Ray. Yeah, exactly. And that's what started the gang okay. war. Steve. And that's <laughs> why we had war. Damn, that's Steve, why we got to kill all this other gang. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, after military academy, I went to Georgia Southern. That's where I transferred to, mainly because I had good friends there. Gotcha. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> the real uh, Southern, not state. <clears throat> uh, yeah. uh, but went there, and we're going to edit that. Out. <laughs> Sorry, I just clear my throat. Right, of course, with that nonsense. So you're you're not going to predict this. I went there with a chemistry major. What? what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I was good at science too. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do with chemistry. Something that I'm good at. <laughs> yeah. You was killing uh, them with the science? Yeah, I was trying to, man. And then in college, they're like, yeah, if you want to be good at science, you got to be good at math and writing and all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm yeah. not good at any of like, that. He's that. like, fuck <laughs> that. Yeah. I'm like, can I pick a major that you only have to be good at that thing yeah. in order to get the degree? Well, um, accounting, right, right. yeah. So I picked 
criminal justice. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's my bachelor's degree. Oh, shit, it is? It's, it's pre-law, yeah. See, this wow. is perfect because you have a lot of people who be like, man, what the fuck am I going to do with this degree? Yeah. So this is this is beautiful for all you criminal law <laughs> and history majors and shit. Yeah. Exactly. Even me, you know, I have my political science and if I was smart, you move to DC or a city where you can you you can actually work in policy, yeah, position yourself, make yeah. some money. Not and stay in Atlanta. Law too. Yeah, yeah so. don't stay in Atlanta like a dope, <laughs> like a dumbass. <laughs> the fuck am I doing? You can get in on the mayor campaigns, man. They're heated. I can, I can be crooked and work for the governor. <laughs> yeah. Or the mayor. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Not the new mayor. Okay. We, we, you know. Well, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> jury's, we'll see. Jury's still out. <laughs> so, uh, what I like about the mayor, just real quick, real quick. Go ahead. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. You can still be crooked, baby. You can be. <laughs> it's equal, equal man, opportunity. Man, woman. Man, woman, black, white. Young, old. Because he's not that. Gender preference. All of that. fairly young, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know. Okay. But all right, side note. Though. Back to it. Okay. <laughs> I, so chemistry. So then you went with chemistry, but and, and then you ship gears. Yeah, so just like fuck the chemistry. So wait, where did what the hell did? Uh, were you thinking about being a lawyer? Yeah. So it was it was come out of college with a criminal justice degree, work my way as a police officer or a detective in through law school, and then become a lawyer. Um, oh wow! So the military enjoyment, like the tactical, like I, I really enjoyed the physicality and the tactical side of military as well. Right, right. So, so you're gonna, I transferred. I wanted to transfer that over to something I kick could do, down doors be, in the black community. No, ah, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be on the SWAT team. And no, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> no, I got I'm never gonna load in less than lethals. Yeah, <laughs> less than lethal. <laughs> Jesus. No, but. It, Really, it was um, you know looking for something like the military that I could go into uh, because I f- I excelled in the, in the program um, and thinking back you know lessons learned about who I am and, and figuring out more of who I am now that I think me being so interested in the military and so interested in law enforcement was just me still yearning for some type of really sh- rigid structure and structure. discipline. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Um, did, you, did you understand it at because that Because now I don't have the yearning for it, right? Oh, okay. So that's it's not like, like a passion that's within me that I still want to do. So is it is it in the, the place you're at right now, is it more of a free thinking, um, kind of a little more spontaneous than structure to the point? Or you have enough structure embedded in you that you can do more i would say it's the latter more more okay. so I've okay that's me built too. up an inherent structure um but yeah i still i mean i still try to take it very easy going and and have like kind of go with the flow gotcha gotcha i'm so, a planner though mm-hmm. like a three five x years wow so i just hit my first milestone my, i turned 30 this year yeah, exactly. I'm old. No. The, the applause went in. Turn, turn, turn the old 30. Old people on the right. I had a like, bunch of goals right. set. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look at y'all. I'm yeah. not going to guilt trip you of guys. Of course you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a bunch of goals set for by the time I was 30. And I, much to my disbelief, I hit them all because I was taking the approach of trying to hit really lofty goals. Gotcha. Um, five years ago when I set them. And I hit them all. So I... Five years ago, I would have told you that now I've set pretty unrealistic goals. Can you share some of them? Or? Yeah, so it was to um, have a kid Wow. by the time I was 30, which I had 
a month before I turned 30. So came right up on that. Right. <laughs> so three months ago, I became a father, which was excellent. Um, and then the other was uh, break six figures in earnings annually, mm-hmm. um, which I hit late last year. And then the other was be put into a leadership position, which I also hit late last year. Wow. In my career. So. Wish I could say that at 30. <clears throat> no, but lofty goals. Yeah, yeah but, I, but, but I was making 30k when I said it when I was 25. So it's just crazy that I'm here now. No, still disbelief no, a lot. So it's not crazy. You you know you had a plan. Uh-huh. Um, regardless of the peripherals that was out there, that or your background. Yeah, you was like, I'm going for this. Yeah, a lot of people give up. A lot of people's like, man. I know I said that, but I know I wasn't going to get it anyway, but I'm going to try. But yeah. you accomplished that, which is amazing. Um, but how do you feel now that you hit those lofty goals? Uh, I have a curse of just thinking about what's next, right? Yep. yep so yep. now my next goal is three years. I want to have a, I want to own a house. Um, by five years, I want to like have a certain amount of my debt chunked down. I have a dollar figure mm-hmm. in mind. Um, and then by the time I'm 40, I want to be running at least part-time my own company. That's right. We also, that's one that we used to talk about. Yeah. yeah. We talked about entrepreneurship. That's something you should always do. Uh-huh. You should actually be, do you have a, a company on the side right now that you've started? Or? Um, no, I, I actually was going to the, so it was, in the plan last year before the wife got pregnant to uh, register an LLC um, just to have it and be able to say established 2016, 2017. Justin, you make too much money not to have it. <laughs> You have to have one. So, yeah, I, I, I still need to, but yeah. it, that was one of the things that mm-hmm. fell by the wayside temporarily. I got you. I got you. All right, so I don't want to – I want to make sure we continue with the chronological thing. Okay. Um, but later, Justin, you got to talk about how you hit the um, – doing the financial investing thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so okay. But so I'm curious because you have a lot of people who get frustrated when they get what's class, what's called a liberal arts degree or something in that realm. Yeah. And they try to get a job. So once you had that degree, the piece of paper, well, how did you feel in the market, job hunting and such? Oh, really cheap, worthless pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It was wow. it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I I moved back to Tampa because my parents had moved there while I was in college. Okay. Um so you moved from your grandparents? No, I moved from Georgia Southern, from Statesboro, Georgia. Oh, straight from college. From campus. And yeah, back from to, campus back to Tampa. To Tampa. And mm-hmm. the whole time I was in Statesboro, I was living off of loans fully, um, with a little bit of part time work, but I was bad at that time time financially as well. Um moved back to Tampa, lived with my parents for Six months, I was totally unemployed, 100%. I was working um, part-time with a family friend at his electrical business. I actually started to develop some quite a bit of skills and got to the point where it became like an out. Like if, if, you know, if something with my degree didn't work out, I was actually going to pursue like becoming an apprentice electrician and wow. going forward that way because it was pretty good work. I like working with my hands, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was ex- excelling at it. Electricians get paid, too. Yeah, my yeah, my family friend was making a lot handsome handsome living too. So right, right. I was making like ten dollars an hour part time doing that though. Uh, got hired as a law clerk, just a file clerk at a at a big a major law firm, multinational law firm. Mm. 
um, which was really cool. They gave me like my own desk with a name tag and everything. It was really <laughs> rewarding, but I was still only making like $12 an hour. But you felt you know, good. Though. Yeah, I felt great. It was a big step, right? I was wearing slacks and button down and, you know. I'm important. Yeah, exactly. I took a picture of my name tag, right? Put it on Facebook. Look at me. Hey, I'm important here. <laughs> Look at yeah. his bitches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Justin Fontenot. <laughs> right. So it was good. Um, I actually met my wife at that job. So cool. my path, you know, I have no no regrets from the path, but I I did work that job for just over a year. So that was, you know, I left that job still working only thirty hours a week and making twelve fifty an hour at that point. Right. Um, but I left that job for another pair. This one was actually a paralegal job, which was full time, and it was. $14 an hour. So slowly climbing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got them $2. <clears throat> yeah. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm close to 30K. Like, I, I, I got to get it. <laughs> I got them there. Yeah. Um, and I started to really, really excel at... Actually, let me not skip this one. I, I got a job working, making $14 an hour as a paralegal. But as soon as I got there, I was handed literal, like, just take these physical documents and scan them and put them in the computer. Like... I knew that as soon as I was done with this backlog of documents, I was gone. So yeah. I didn't even get invested. Um, I actually was actively searching for another opportunity, even while I was at that office, like scanning documents like a robot, <laughs> still looking at job boards and stuff. And they actually fired me from that job. Damn. Yeah. Why? Because you didn't get it done in time? No, they said that they have uh, activity monitors on their computers, and I wasn't <laughs> averaging enough clicks per minute or whatever. What? Swear wow. to God, the guy, the guy, my manager was what? some twenty-something smug asshole. He loved firing me. He he broke out this. Wait, what was the voice? Well, how did he, how did he talk? <laughs> All right. Ahead, so he had long breathe. hair, right? College frat kid, long hair still, right. and he's just like, "Well, I've gotten some bad news for you. I got a report from IT. If you look here, your actions per minute." Are just not what we're looking for. I don't know what you're doing all day. You know, just get real just demeaning, yes, going real demeaning in, right? and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, his name's Derek. I'm like, come on, dude. What? It was like, this is ridiculous. Like, you gave me physical task. I wasn't on the computer. Right. Like, even if I was doing my job, I wouldn't be clicking the mouse. Um, and totally, totally didn't even care. He, it was, it was fun. It was actually funny looking back. But right, I was pissed. Right. I was. I you motherfucker! <laughs> I was. Did I you told him the business on the way out. I, he walked me to my car. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to get your badge, and I'll walk you to the car to get your parking pass and make sure you leave the premises." I looked and I said, "Fuck you, man!" I said, "I don't need an escort." I threw my badge on the ground and I went to my car and I broke the car pass in half and threw it at him through the fence and I drove <laughs> off. <laughs> Take that asshole! Yeah, last laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> I like those apples. Yeah. Is that healthy behavior? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. <laughs> now, you know, that, that experience ingrained into my mind how much I don't want to work at a place like that or for a guy like that. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Damn. Absolutely. Okay, so then you got the other paralegal gig. Yeah, like okay. almost immediately after. I, okay. I already I had already applied for it when I got let go and then oh. got an interview within a week and then got hired another week later. Um, and that one was much better. I was at a... <clears throat> a really successful foreclosure firm and it was right after the crisis so they had a ton oh, of work. Oh, a ton of fucking ton work. A ton of work. Yep. Too much work for you to handle which led to a lot of opportunity. They were building out massive teams. <clears throat> um, and I, you know, I grabbed onto the opportunity. I started just really 
focusing on building relationships with the attorneys, mm-hmm. you know, the bill, the billable employee at the, at the firm. Um, you know, this firm probably had 40 attorneys and maybe 300 support staff. Wow. You know, behind the scenes, for, attorneys were literally just signature robots for the most part. Wow. At that firm, yeah, it was because of the volume. It was really sweatshop design, like just mm-hmm. straight, get it, get it through. Yeah. Did, you, did you learn a lot though? I did learn a lot, and I learned a lot from a professional perspective about what I do well. Okay. Which was okay. branding, building my brand within that environment. I felt like was a challenge, and I was able to really succeed, and in short time, get promoted over peers by standing out and making a difference. Um, attention to detail and then innovation like process improvement and things like that gotcha. um, were, were really what I used to start to climb there. So just to just to make sure people are listening, it's like if you're if you find yourself and you know you're not exactly happy with your job hunt or how much you're getting paid, it's kind of like you're basically saying you know make the most out of opportunities. Hopefully you can target firms to have opportunity. <clears throat> yeah. But once you're in there and it's a good culture. You got to work your ass off. You know, you got to network, yeah. you know, find things to fix, you know, make yourself stand out. I feel like this is easier said than done. I mean, from day one, did you, was that your mission or? Not not so much. It was, day one is definitely learning the lay of the land for me. Um, right. And I think that still holds true today. But now, day one, I, I also, while learning the lay of the land, I pinpoint people to potentially mm-hmm. yep. build relationships with and. Uh, pursue in that regard but back then it was much more all right let me learn what i need to do um you know i I knew i was good at legal writing i knew i was good at really good at like editing and and making sure that the document had all of its t's crossed and i's dotted Mm -hmm. um and then you know i was just really good on the phone at setting appointments and getting what we needed getting moved into slots and just i guess so uh kind of coercive or convincing i don't know um so you, it isn't as easy as I say, but I think it comes down to, I like to say it, positioning. Uh, I consider every step now, back then I didn't wouldn't have labeled it that, but now, even back then, those steps I was taking were positioning myself for opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that succeeded for me was because, you know, for example, building, focusing on spending more time in attorney's offices and building relationships with them was, uh, was very, was very valuable. And I would go to these attorneys who I recognized were more willing to lend an ear, right? Like Mm. in the par in the, in the paralegal field, especially legal field, it, there's a, there's this really big, it's kind of similar. I have a friend who's a nurse. It's kind of similar to the doctor to nurse, like almost discrimination, right? Bias type thing. Um, you know, the attorneys are these highly educated professionals. They went to law school, it was really swanky, and law school does a great job of you know standing you up and making you feel like your shit don't stink, right? As right, a professional, right. um, as does medical school, and then it creates this culture where I would say at least half, probably sixty percent or more, of the attorneys just look down on the support wow. staff, which are right. the paralegals and things like that. Yeah. So it's about, it was for me, it was about finding those people who are receptive to the discussions, mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a lowly paralegal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then also people who I just enjoyed speaking to, you know, and speaking with about anything. So that helped find your value to say, damn, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they kind of confirmed or, well, or I, validated. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, 
they validated it by wanting to spend time with me outside of their own hours and their own commitments and things gotcha. like that. Gotcha. Like joining fantasy football league, for example, one of the attorneys invited me to a fantasy football league, which is just him and all of his law school buddies, Damn. you know, so got in and I still play in that league with those guys, you know, really cool guys. Yeah, you should. Um, they all suck <laughs> at fantasy football. So I get a lot of, I get a lot of free money every year. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other was, um, this woman who was older, but she loved horses, and I I love horses. I I've never owned one, or I've only ever interacted with them a few times. But it, like the times I have, I was just like at all in awe by them and their brilliance. Um, so I talked to her a lot just about her horses. Gotcha. She um, owned horses. Yeah. And, wow. And she, she's a lawyer, dude. She owned yeah, horses. Yeah. She, she owned <laughs> she owned four horses, and she let me four? come out to her ranch with her family one what time. Four horses. Yeah, with her husband and kids, and and ride her horses with them one day. It was awesome. Wow. Okay. I mean, she was in their fifties. Their, her, her, she was a lawyer and her husband was a doctor. Damn. (laughs) As Chaz rolls his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, no, you know what I was thinking? The first thought was fucked up. She just helps him with the malpractice lawsuits. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's terrible. Funnel money back and forth. (laughs) Don't worry. We got you. Yeah. Baby, you know, so even there, that seemed almost lucrative yeah. to stay in that. Like you just networked your ass off. Yeah, just yeah. Inter- interpersonal skill yeah. building there. But, um, but what pivot that then? You know, yeah. that's interesting because you know you did some electrician, you did yeah, yeah and yeah. you know this one you felt good about yourself because you know what she was good at. Yeah. Um, I don't want to jump to where you at right now. Was there anything after that? Yeah, there though? were a couple more stuff. Oh Jesus Christ! Right, yeah. so I'm saying we got to keep saying. going I'm, this chronologically. I'm a, I'm a young guy, but it's just I've like been, a movie. I've been through. I've been through a maze. Um, so basically, I mean, you could sum it up. But I came out of college not knowing at all what I was going to be doing. Right, which is um, totally fair. I, yeah, and I think that's normal. I thought I knew, but I, you know, started mm. to learn that it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. So I was there. Working as a paralegal and, you know, just seeing the, the hours these lawyers were putting in, um, you know, building relationships with some of the entry-level lawyers getting hired straight out of law school, <clears throat> I was able to get inside scoop and much more candid opinions, um, which were not good opinions. They were like, <clears throat> basically, the law market's saturated with lawyers right now. Right. Like, it's it's hip to go to law school because it's three years. It's not six years like med school. It's, you know, and you're getting commensurate similar pay at least at uh, at the onset um it had degraded the market so quickly that these these guys i was working with at this law firm they were coming out getting paid forty thousand dollars a year on a degree that cost them almost 200 whoa yeah and they were working 60 hours plus a week yeah Yeah, so that's like when you calculate that it's not good money as pennies for their degree pennies on the dollar right um so i decided to look for opportunity to pivot out of that uh I, i was like you know, I and to this day, I still love the practice of law. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we start talking about my current job, there's actually a factor. I've actually positioned myself to have a little function like that as well. Okay, um, what a deuce. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be a lawyer as well. I, I, no. pos, I positioned myself. <laughs> I'm gonna use that word, position. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna steal that shit. <laughs> um, I, I always tell my little brother and his friends that you gotta position yourself for what you want, man. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're Always like, what's that ready. mean? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want it to Whatever be. Whatever you mean. Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. Got to say it real creepy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whatever you want. Depends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, get away from me. 
Um, so from there, I, I was like, all right, don't want I don't think I want to be a lawyer anymore. Um, or I, I need, you know, I don't think I can achieve what I want to achieve by being a lawyer, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, at that time, you know, I had started to build out kind of what I would hope my life would turn out to be, which would be married, being able to support my wife and kid or kids with just my income. You know, I'd like, I'm a little more old school in that regard. I, I, I've been to a bunch of public schools. I've seen what goes on at public schools. So maybe I'm jaded too. Right. Like, right. just like I've have no anxiety when I'm at work because my wife is at home taking care of my daughter as opposed to if she was in daycare or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I, I had hit that goal, but I had started to define that when I was at this firm and I was probably at this time, 23 going on 24. Um, so I was like, all right, I need to get out of this space. What, do I like technology? I've been a gamer my whole life. Um, what skills can I find that could transfer into a more technology-driven industry? Um, so I started to think about that, and I was like, well, I have good interpersonal skills, so like any type of client or relationship management function or, or you know, role. Um, then I was like, well, I have really strong attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, anything that's like analytical, and then I started to think about, well, what, what, did, what did my g- degree give me, which was criminal justice background, which is uh, a lot of, you know, criminal psychology is built into that, right? Like being able Absolutely. to get in the mind yep. of a criminal and stuff. So I was like, well, let me look at the fraud space. Mm-hmm. So I, I pursued fraud. Um, I started looking at like trying to be a manager at like loss prevention departments at, at corporations and stuff like physical fraud control. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, saw some opportunities come through in the financial services industry to be a, f- a fraud risk analyst on payment metric payment data. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'm going to apply and it was entry level and I got that opportunity. I got the offer and I was paid, I was offered $50,000 a year at that time. I was making $14 an hour. And he was like, I'll take it. I was on the phone <laughs> at the firm and I was like, hang on, let me step out. And she goes, well, I'm just happy to tell you that we're going to offer you 50,000. And I was in the office still and I was just like, I'll take it. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? So I really didn't believe it. Right. Like right, that's right, such right. a huge jump. Oh, man. Yeah. And they knew what I was making. I had been pretty honest, which I've learned now, you know, pad yourself a little bit, but right. I'd been brutally honest with, with this company too. So they knew what I was making. So I was very humbled to get that also, offer. Wow. They didn't so, fuck you over. Yeah. No, they made me a strong offer for sure. So either they really, really wanted to get you or the company was like, we pay our people this way, mm. which kind of, so it, on the surface, I think it's it definitely seems like one of those. After spending some time there, I think their strategy was to bring you in the door making more than their competitors would pay you. Gotcha. And then keep you at that level. So I worked there for three years without a single raise. Oh, they, they already maxed you out, buddy. Yeah. Don't so ask for shit. Right? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. And that was what led to the, to the departure there was lack of opportunity, log jam, uh, no real development structure. There's but, nothing to, to give me that, right? But that was did – you, did you get IT skills there? So were you working with data? So, yeah, yeah. I built SQL queries. I was working oh, with big data, okay. data mining and stuff like that. Um, and then learned a lot of risk management and just risk practices, more financial focus, mm-hmm. but just risk management is very transferable mm-hmm. across the sectors. Yeah. Um, 
techno technology business yeah. brand all of those things absolutely it's all about mitigation baby oh yeah <laughs> mitigation or avoidance well i just want to <laughs> i just want to take avoidance. a step back because when people like if you're in a dead end job i think what people really really struggle with is being able to do that analysis like you basically said okay what skills what do i like people struggle with the what am i good at yeah where do i want to go and how can I, what can I cultivate that I already have to get there? Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. then you didn't go back to school. Well, no, did you go back to school at this well, point? Well, not at this point. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm long-winded. <laughs> well, episode no, two. No, I think it's essential, though, because <laughs> and I, I think, and it's really interesting because kind of Alicia went through the same thing. She went through so many different aspects to get to the point where she at in it yeah she took different there and i don't want to speak for you but that's why i'm so interested guys like damn then what else did you do yeah and then what else did and you gathered all that together to make a career yeah you know what i mean and a lot of people jump totally something outside of where they at and never leverage what they actually learn yeah the reset right and that they jump in and reset and being willing to make the jump yep don't i i think there's a fine line between staying put and, you know, getting skills, seeing what happens. But there's another line between just, you know, talk, maybe talk to the HR person. Like, how often do our people really, I don't know, do some kind of what you're saying. You network with people, got candid answers. Yeah. So you're not going to get them from HR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no. Remember, they're well, protecting just, the company, Chad. But, well, well but just somebody. Yes. Yeah. Well, just somebody you can talk to exactly. off the record and just say, mm-hmm. you know, look, what's. How often do you know people really get you know yeah. raises or do you get promotions for your effort, whatever? Right. Exactly. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, like okay, <laughs> fuck up out of here. Yeah, like it's that simple. Yeah, I take that approach. If people ask me for advice, I try to be really candid, and I usually say, let's take a walk, let's go get a coffee, so that I don't have to worry about people overhearing yeah, me. Yeah, because you know and what's going to happen. Honest truth, right? Because mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen when you if when you leave, they're going to hire somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Just like how your motherfucking ass simple. came in the first place. <laughs> yeah. There's the, the same next person go to Yes. Is, is that say his fifty grand. Yeah. You know, exactly. To the next motherfucker. And hope yeah. they, they hope they stay longer than two and a half, three. Yeah, years. the next desperate <laughs> Yes. Yes. I'm uh, take it. Yeah. I'm only making forty. <laughs> <laughs> so what after this job? <laughs> So FIS, this was I was at FIS. Um, wow, doing, you're gonna drop doing game payment analytics. <laughs> doing payment analytics, I had slipped it, so I just figured I'd follow it. Yeah, up. just finish it off. Um, so I stayed there for a bit, and it was a good job from a skills perspective. It was the first time I'd been in. It was Fortune 500 company, right? So I'm I'm, I'm getting exposed to the bureaucratic hoops that people have to jump through, mm-hmm. the normal poli- politics that are in place in most co- companies. Um, I I started to. Uh, observe and and note things that you know looking back now I can identify may have been good signs or bad signs at at certain points in time of potential and things like that um and one of the you know one of the big things was like learning that uh in a company that large culture isn't just company wide culture can be vastly different team to team department to department oh my yes Absolute. in the same fucking floor fucking on the other yep. side of the floor it's like man my motherfuckers wear t-shirts and jeans they got a foosball table over yeah. there yeah no shit. they look so happy and then you be look walking around look at the around. room that they hang out in yeah. <laughs> what the fuck am they be i walking, doing hey they walking by look at, walking slow look at those 
They're looking at you. Look at those miserable motherfuckers. Oh, those guys from the fourth floor, the yeah. left side. Those fourth yeah, floor. Side, yeah. right? You know those fourth floor motherfuckers. Like, Get your ass out of here. No, you can't play on my foosball table. Yeah, motherfucker. You're not on our team. Yeah. yeah, like that is, I mean, that is so huge. And I, I think you really don't know how to navigate. Like anything, things take practice. Yeah. You don't know how to, you don't know how to navigate in large organizations until you've been in a couple, I think. Yeah, at least I would agree. one, but mm-hmm. I would say at least two. You I think two be... is probably a minimum for yeah. saying you're yeah. comfortable then you can navigating. Make the comparison, yeah, exactly. and then you'd be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, everywhere is like that. Yeah, this is just a thing. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, yeah, when you scale, there's just and that's what I think is super valuable for people to learn, and that's why you know I took that approach when we talked. I tried to really just be candid with you about that. Like, it's just it is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. Chaz came out so like for lack of a better word, really with rose colored glasses on mm-hmm. thinking every relationship he went out of the way to make was going to be fruitful. And, and every person he engaged with gonna was going to be somebody who would, you know, put the same effort back into the relationship mm-hmm. or also, you know, benefit him as well as him benefiting them in the long run. And I was just like, no, some people are just going to suck it out of you, man. Yeah. Some people are just assholes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Mike still says the same shit now because we have the pot. We have another podcast. <laughs> And I'm like, people can't be that. We talk about politics and yeah. stuff. Like, people can't like, be that dumb. He's like, people are stupid. Yeah, the person is smart. <laughs> people stupid. are stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just stupid. Yeah. No, how could they be? No, no. <laughs> They're stupid. And and then guess what? They prove it to him. Yeah. And he was like, man, these fucking people are stupid. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> End episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck both of you. that mic. You know, just go from there. But. Yeah, so I think, and that's a good thing with cultural-wise, because I think people don't think about the culture of a business. Mm-hmm. They think of it as a business. Oh, Absolutely. speaking of which, I'm so glad you said that. We can do a quick little segue. Um, Justin and I were talking last week, and uh, you know, just talking about you know random opportunities or just firms. And you mentioned a certain uh, home improvement uh, corporation based out of Atlanta, and it was like, man, you know, in terms of culture mm-hmm. and how culture can precede you. And this firm that may or may not have an orange color oh. branding, he was like, man, you know, uh, you know, the culture precedes them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So Chaz started talking about how culture was mostly like for you to absorb when you go in. And I said, well, it can it can follow you, too. I mm-hmm. said, because... And I've learned this much more recently. And I think the context, just to give you an idea, you know, starting a new job. Because yeah. people ask, people always ask me to have a new job. Mm-hmm. How is it? And I'm like, well, you know, people, when you first meet people, it's... Yeah, everybody's it's, guarded, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and then once you... They don't you know, know about you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So after a couple of, you know, sometimes it can be a couple of months, then you're like, okay, now I can really, in terms of when you ask people, how is it? I don't, mm-hmm. I'm still understanding culture and yeah. nuance, right? Mm-hmm. Nuance. So, and then this kind of led into how culture can precede you. Yeah, exactly. So then I told him that, you know, I, I was like, I've recently started to identify that as you get more specialized and you climb the ranks in terms of knowledge base in general, um, culture can precede you far more heavily so the example Chaz was referring to is I have a good friend who is a, a lead software engineer at a, another large corporation, and he's kind of starting to slowly be unhappy with his job and build resentment um, for his leadership because he feels he's not being enabled 
uh, correctly. He's actually extremely brilliant. He's a little rash, but he's a brilliant guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's an engineer, a brilliant right. engineer. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, those are engineers. Exactly. <laughs> um, so he he was like, and you know, I said, hey, here's this opportunity. You know, they're they're pushing out jobs left and right for senior, mm-hmm. you know, senior engineer roles and lead manager engineer roles. And he goes, no. Nah. He's like, they got a crappy engineering program. I'm not going to go there. And this is mm-hmm. a major company. You know, I was like, I was actually very interested in him hearing him say that he was like, you know, granted I would, I would go there, but I, I think he felt it would be too much work for him to go and rebuild it into a good program. So you're talking about the orange place. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, <laughs> several, several, uh, so I used to be director of women in clothes. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the women, um, with them, they used to hire a lot of software engineers there, you know, and they have so many different departments. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. Just, it's ridiculous. So how many different departments and how many different HR connections they have? Exactly. Um, and one of the girls um, worked there and she was like, um, I'm not happy there. And so um, and I don't think that and every, you know, they open up the doors. I mean, I've. I tore their facility. It's beautiful. I've, oh I have too. Oh my God. I use them Jim. as leverage to get a raise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, you have uh, Man, it was like, they have one of the, I mean, the, the problem is, is that they keep you there. Oh they yeah. They have no reason. They want you to live there. Daycare. Yeah. Starbucks, CVS. Exactly. Oh, it's Jim. epic. Epic. Yeah. I loved it. And so, um, she was like, um, it was a little bit too far from my house. She just, just had a baby. And so, um, we, we we talked and she was like, you know, it's time for me to move on. And she interviewed at a, another location and because she was there before. Yeah. And, but now this is the thing. She basically transitioned to a new position. She was not a software engineer. Okay. She was in media and she taught herself how to code. Okay. Got a job yeah. at, at that location and eventually put her, built up her skill set. And then later on, we went back to the old job. Oh, the old company she with, but in another position. So I totally understand. And, and they're not, and I think they're not the only company because yeah. me and Michael toured Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. We tore um, GitHub. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and this is all in um, California. And they have an amazing, amazing kind of co, how would you say, co-working space? Yeah, And absolutely. they also have a, a yeah. and they the whole thing of how they, um, <laughs> I Genuinely. mean, it's, it's it's like it was beautiful, and yeah. to and you know they they basically want to keep their people there, mm-hmm. and they keep them getting paid. So I know exactly you know what you exactly what you're saying. Yeah, uh, and it was eye opening for me because okay. it, it really made me look at things from another lens. I right? got a random question: Is you, you know if y'all job hunting and somebody has Trump organization on their last job in terms of culture, what are you thinking? That's it, probably going to precede them pretty heavily. <laughs> Uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> do you like do you like grabbing pussies? Or- <laughs> the the good example from MySpace is like you know before late last year everybody was like let's go work at Equifax and cybersecurity because they wow. are leading the charge yeah. in their program. They are so sophisticated. They got the doors blown off. Mm-hmm. Pretty much Titanic. everybody knows how big of a breach that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they are working to rebuild their reputation. They're having to overpay underqualified talent mm-hmm. because of that. Just to get right. enough in. And, exactly. And right. you know what happens, to, in my opinion, when, when you're dealing with firms who get hacked, that to me that's an indicator that you treat IT as a cost. 
You're like, ah, oh, well, fuck that, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Just put some tape on it or some shit. It's like, what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's just treated as a cost center or whatever the case But remember, we discussed that that's what the government does. So the government says, oh, I guess this broke. Now we got to fix it. Yep. There's no proactive anything. Yeah. So, um, but so that goes from that. I mean, so it's saying that you know we just heard about what's going on in at the IRS. Yeah. Wait. What? 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 Oh, the website crashed. Yeah. It's it's more, a little bit. It's it was more, a little bit more than just a no, crash. No, it's more than that, baby. It's they got brought more, down. Yeah. They got hacked. They it got was hacked. a denial of service attack against the IRS. They got hacked and they're not admitting it. Yep. We're gonna hear about it. The 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 painting is on the wall that they got. D- DDoS, yeah. Writing is on the wall. It's one of those situations where it's just like, you know, I, I think when um, when Equifax first made a statement, everybody that worked in cybersecurity was like, ah, there's way more to the story. Mm-hmm. And then you started getting more information over the next month. That's the same thing that's going to happen with IRS. Oh, with the so IRS is going to be. If they delay a day and say, oh, you know what? There's no deadline. We're going to extend it because we just want to try to clear things up. There's too much hacking going on mm-hmm. right now. It's just, it's too much, too much hacking. Hack. It's just a lot of fucking hacking. <laughs> We're being hacked to death. <laughs> 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 That's how the politicians say it. I know. That fucking hacking. We're just getting We're hacked. Just We're getting the shit hacked out of us. I'll tell you what. We're going to have to do something about it. we got to do something about this fucking hacking. <laughs> you know, so that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But but there you go. And you made a great point. It's a cost. It's not mm. a necessity. They don't see IT as a necessity. Well, they don't look at it as return on investment. They just look at it as a straight cost. Yeah, it's just a cost. Yeah. That's so how most companies That's do most that. companies. But that's yeah. fucking wrong. Unless you're an IT company. You know. Then you wanna, you're yeah. an IT professional <laughs> saying it's wrong. That's no, no, why. No, no. I'm, oh, well... Yeah, it's, most, it is. Most it is wrong, right? IT most, needs to enable the business. Mo, exact. Most companies, m- motherfuckers work on a computer. The computer's connected to a network. The network is what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying it's it's, a, it's all IT infrastructure. So right. That shit goes down. How you gonna fucking work? How you gonna get paid? And no direct deposit without IT, baby. Yeah. But <laughs> they thought about the same thing with the telephones. The telephones, it it just works. So I don't have to worry about. The telephone lines. Same thing I with the computer, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the computer. I work on it every day. Why should it go down? If you 88, but you know what? A lot of them are 88. I'm about to say a lot of the people <laughs> in these company heads are yeah. 88. They're up there. <laughs> they got put on the board in 1988. <laughs> Where's my rotary phone? <laughs> <laughs> my was 58 then. Like, Fax that down. over to the senator. You know, one of that shits. But, but that's a problem. So... What made it exciting to you about this cyber wait, thing? Wait, wait, we're not even. Oh, I'm finished. sorry, we didn't even finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got into road. it and I got excited. Yeah, you, know, just... you took us down that side road. Um, I was at FIS. Okay, I'll go back to FIS. Right, payment analytics. I'm gonna stop dropping names after this company no. <laughs> gets bigger. <laughs> uh, so payment analytics. So I'm like, all right, you know, I like this. I like what I was doing. I really liked the strategic product discussions I was having because I was having because I was supporting a specific financial product and I was working with my clients to try to ensure that they were as profitable as possible. Right. Um, okay. So, so that was entrepreneurial, right? So was this um, was this implementations or was it this... was operations? Uh, okay. So we you, you maximize the the, the use of the project, the use of a product, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, maximized it by minimizing fraud exposure. Got it. Right. Wow. 
Because cool. that's ultimately what the product was mm-hmm. based off of. It's like okay. if there's little fraud, this product makes money. Mm-hmm. Fraud can con- to- totally eliminate our margin. So what yeah. I'm asking, in other words, you you got to visit multiple. You saw multiple client environments. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and I saw a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and how payment space interacted with different goods and services too, which mm. was really cool exposure. Okay, um, really fed a lot of my entrepreneurial drive. Um, while I was working there, I was like, "What can I, what can I get into from an educational program that I can use to bolster my experience?" Because I'm already heading down a road that's so far and away from my degree mm-hmm. that I want to have something I can put on my resume and says, "Look, I'm I'm invested in this field." Right. Um, not just learning it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I really like conceptual discussion. I like strategic level decision making and, and, uh, architecting and things like that. So I was like, I don't want to, you know, get in the weeds and code. I don't think that would suit what I really want to achieve and what I want to do in my professional space. But I also want to be like capable, right. And, and have enough exposure to those things to, be comfortable having a conversation with an, a software engineer. You know the jargon. You, exactly. You know, you touch the software. Yeah, exactly. Right, so, right. But I still wanted to say somewhat, I liked the risk management fact of uh, function of what I was doing. So I wanted to kind of incorporate risk, technology. I was like, what also from a career perspective looks rewarding in the future? Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity, you know, stuck right Absolutely. out. Right? And what year was, was that? Done? This was 2013. Okay. Okay. So okay. five years ago now. And obviously, it's just at the cusp of being really, really big focal point, (laughs) right? Exactly, exactly. So I enrolled in a master's program to get my master's in IT with a concentration in cybersecurity. Got it. Mm. This was through a business school? It's just a Florida Tech, Florida Institute of Technology. It's just a school. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm asking because a lot of uh, business schools now have these business slash IT functions. So you're still learning... The business, your yeah, business yeah. courses they, with the IT functions Within the well. university, they classified it under their business school. That's yeah. what I'm okay. asking. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's just for people for people listening, again, if you're in a fucking dead-end job, <laughs> you're not as savvy as Here's Justin. Here's an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You may have to skip to that point. Now, oh, I, I will follow that on saying, like, I just enrolled, right? So I decided to put that on my resume as pending in progress. And that helped tremendously. Yeah. So why not um, go into doing a boot camp instead of getting a college degree with it? Because I, I wanted so the boot camp I wanted to consider, but I but I had plans for being enabled to do a boot camp during my career. I can do things like boot camps and certifications. I think a little more seamlessly while seamlessly while I'm still working. And at that phase in my life, I didn't have a family, so I was like, if I want to if I want to get an advanced degree. This is probably the time I need to get in and, and start to devote my time. But, yeah, the boot camp is definitely a cons- consideration, and I actually have one, um, or not not one this year, but I'm taking you know, a certification course for a more advanced certification as well this year. Dope. So, yeah, it was, it, was a good, it was a good move, I think, that ultimately just enrolling in that program is what got me my next opportunity, which was with a massive consulting firm mm-hmm. um and again I, in the big four space so it's big gotcha. player and i'm i'm very i think i'm biased but i think you have to do consulting on some level once you just mm-hmm. need that experience you need that exposure not just for the experience yeah but just you, you just learn about what you're good at what you like what you dislike just because you're visiting not even from the consulting firm itself 
just the clients. Yeah. You know, yep. so many environments, you so many cultures. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of you can kind of observe and say, wow, you know, I really like this office. I really yeah. like these people. You know, there's so many things you can kind of take notes and just observe on. I think it's important that people just try it once in their respective fields. You know, right. Just kind of get totally a feel. Agree. The consulting. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. It, okay. You know, it's it was incredibly rewarding. It was funny. It took me seven months to get hired at this company. Seven months. Yeah, yeah. because the recruiting, the more, the higher the firm, the yeah, so the, the recruiting cycle is, I want to say dumb, but God, you know. <laughs> the big the big four firms they pull like ninety percent of their staff straight from college. Okay. So okay. those recruiting processes are drawn out right because it's a college vetting through the senior, junior year, junior and senior years. And then the offer ultimately, usually with an internship in there. So they have, they're used to having all that time to vet, right? Gotcha. Um, so I think me being an experienced, that's what they called it, an, an experienced hire. Experienced hire. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, you know, put me through as many of the rings that they could um, to get the that comfort. process. Yeah. yeah so yeah. seven months to get hired, um, like probably 14 interviews hmm. individually. There was even one time where I was, in an all day like boot camp type thing mm-hmm. was, that was actually excellent experience too um and i only worked there for 10 months wow yeah do you want to talk about how that came to a close is that personal no that's fine yeah okay. so okay i got into this role like thinking i'm like yeah i want to travel i want to you know I'm, I'm young i'm not married yet we're you know we're still boyfriend girlfriend like at most like She's working. I'm working. You I want to get into it, travel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to learn, right? Uh, and I was loving it, and I really loved the work. To, to Chaz's point, I can totally endorse the experience I gained. Those ten months, I gained more experience in the four years prior in my career, um, more applicable experience too. And um, I learned to walk the walk. You know what I mean? At that point, I think is really where I where I started walking the walk of being able to actually keep up with the words I could put out because I've, I've always been a pretty good salesman type speaker and charismatic in discussion. Um, at that point was where I really, I think my performance and my capability actually caught up to my speech and ability. Before you finish what happened, you know, the story, I just want to kind of reinforce what you're saying. I think for a lot, a lot of people, um, you know, they're just like, how do I transition? So basically like your story, you was in a law, legal, uh, background of you like how do I transition into another space yeah so it's like you get your first job second job but once you get like a couple jobs in you like you kind of like I got this yeah you, know you kind of can pick your pick and choose right yeah you know what I mean so especially kinda, when you're employed yeah yeah so when you're talking yeah. about when, you're, when you're employed <laughs> especially when you're employed <laughs> so <laughs> looking at you Chet no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh, uh, so in terms of like walking the walk I, I totally agree just kind of like like, you know, motherfucker, I got this. You know, mm-hmm. and I just, one thing that I, I think is a point to make, just when you're hired out of college or hired out of, depending on when you were hired, there's definitely a, that's why I think it's important to leave. There's definitely a junior aspect. Oh, like, we hired this motherfucker out of whatever. So yeah. we're going to develop you versus, oh, we hired you, you're, you're coming here as an experienced hire. This, to me, is like a different conversation at least that's been my experience like now oh, going, going forward like i just like i'm good S- save me the bullshit i can onboard me like a regular yeah. aunt person don't don't treat me like the the you know the, the young, fresh college yeah guy who know. needs to be shown all the goody inclusion and you or know. just the goofy shit yeah. yeah it's just it's just more so people just like 
I don't want to say talking down. It's just a different dynamic. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the problem is that a lot of places want to do that because yeah, they don't want dumb. you coming back. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. You heard that? See, I'll agree. Yeah, but Come full see? circle. It takes but, one, ep- two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's in there. So the problem is they want that manipulation because they want you part of the culture and development the way they want to. But the to. funny yes. thing is, once yes. you work, you see, how, it's all horse shit. So yes. just, That's fine. But just show me how to do the function. They and know I, it's horse shit when they're feeding it to yeah, you. Yeah, they do. And you're just gobbling it up. So <laughs> then, there's two people. There's two people that's eating shit. There's the eat people who will eat the shit, and the people is like, I'm not eating that. But the point is, they assume that people will stay for the money, or people will stay because... This is one of the big companies that you should be part yes. of. So you're looking at a status or just money. So if you're dealing with one of them, mm-hmm. they assume if you want to be here, you're going to be glad do you have this pay or you'd be glad because you're part of this big, enormous cup. I'm in that same position and I'm telling them I'm doing my job. I'm not eating that shit. Yeah. It was like, what's the matter with him? Yeah. But he performs. Yeah. This is so cultish. Will you come to the ritual? It's like, totally nah, real, homie. though. Yeah, I want to go home. Yeah, it is real. It's it a is. great. It's a great segue into wh- why I left my this company, this consulting firm. The so like I was working there, and and I got hired in equal level to these guys fresh out of college, and um, you know they had been working there for about six months at that time, and I would get frustrated because you know they're grinding. I'm talking, they're putting in eighty hours a week. Damn, but probably 15 of those hours are just wasted time. Like they are just like, Hey, let's storyboard out this one slide and how we're going to structure this slide for the client or meeting to the meeting. It'll take three hours. And I'm in here. I'm like, this looks great. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Like, Like, why are we mulling over this? You're so polished. You're just way ahead. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I finished my work. I, I agree with this slide. I'm Mm -hmm. signing off. I'm leaving. Right. And I would get, I would get chastised for it because it's misery and company, just, right? But yeah. just for context, for these firms, you're working in teams. Yes, and it's, it's, this, it's this kind of assembly line per project, right? Yes, right. assembly line. Right. Just because you did your part of the assembly line, yeah, the other people have to. But you still got to wait until everyone clocks out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're I not know. supposed to leave and yeah. travel back home, right? And uh, these particular projects, I was working in Orlando for a major client, and. I would drive back to Tampa, whereas most of my teammates would stay in a hotel oh, in Orlando. locally, right. And right. I'm like, we all live in Tampa. It's an hour and 15-minute drive. Mm-hmm. You know, Come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're spending thousands of dollars a week to stay in Orlando just because you're a young college kid, and it's like the cool thing to be like on the road. Oh, right? I'm, a, I'm in a hotel, dude. I yeah. can stay over. No, no, it's not cool. Motherfucker, you in Orlando. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So you got tired of that. Yeah. So I started to get tired of that. I, I'm much more tolerant. I wouldn't say I would have gotten tired of that in 10 months. Right. Right. I, it came to a head. I got in a pretty severe car accident while I was in Orlando on the way to the client site. Um, like I have, I had 25 stitches down the side of my head, Ooh. major, major car accident. Um, gotcha. and I was so worried about my job because of that culture of that like butt in the seat 70 80 hours a week mm-hmm. that the I called my wife obviously had a, somebody had also had called an ambulance called my wife and I told her so she could come um and then I called my my manager and he was just like oh 
okay, we'll get, get well. And I mean, like that same day I was getting texts from my team, like, Hey, we need your work. Whoa. Nobody came to see me in the hospital, which is mind you five miles from where they were working. Like could have, could have walked there. They could have walked there easily. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody came to see me in the hospital. Um, you know, and I had sent them pictures, so they knew it was serious. You know, mm-hmm. I was just to defend everything. Um, but they still asking for work. They're still asking for work. And then I had a really difficult time with the time I needed off. They made me take unpaid medical leave because I hadn't accrued any PTO because I wasn't there long enough. Wow. So I was like, all right, I'm out. This is into place. Yeah. I started searching and kind of off the point you were making about, um, you know, this is a big company. Mm-hmm. I got asked that. That was like the first question. Why are you trying to leave this firm? You've only been there for 10 months. Yeah. And I told him, and it was really easy to explain. <laughs> yeah. I had you this, see this right huge, here? <laughs> it was still purple, you know, it was still fresh. I had this huge scar on my head and I was like, this is the story and this is why. And now can we get into the interview? But I had to do that with literally every interview I had. Wow. Literally every one. Right. And it was because, this is such a prestigious opportunity you have. And Why you're going to walk away. Right? Yeah. It's like, yes, but is this, is this work, working yourself for what? Yeah. You know, where's... But people perceive that. There's big companies, especially being in Atlanta. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of companies down here that, what? You're leaving that airplane place? Oh, my God. Yeah. You're leaving the lumber... What you call it, place? The beverage maker? The beverage maker? <laughs> Why would you do that? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So, <laughs> gasp. Neck so, breathing noises. Yeah. <gasps> so, that's that thing that employees, employers are saying, it must be you. Yeah. You're running away from something because either you're not doing the job or... You can't handle it or You something. can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. 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 You can't handle it. It's some sort of personal flaw, which I think is just so crazy as just interviewing yeah. uh, to me you know this is maybe me in my soapbox i feel like you know do it from, <laughs> step up <laughs> as a from a recruiting standpoint like those motherfuckers just have such a you know we want you to do this that and that but if you reverse it on this on them i think they will fold like if you have to do the same jump through the same fucking hoops you, you wouldn't want to do it mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to do this or that it's like it's just why are things so stringent on when it's other people like so when it's not when that, it's not you, no one nobody gives a fuck. You're still entry level. It gets better. <laughs> I'm just does. now cracking into that. Yeah, where does. I'm able to put the put the fire to Back these companies. To exactly. Like, and that's what I was me? about to tell them. Yep. You're gonna have to jump through these hoops, right? Yep. Fair enough. So maybe I'm it I'm, gets a little better. Okay. Cause and thank you, Justin. I asked them, so what is your training procedure? Yep. When I get in and how long will that take? And if it doesn't take that long, what are you expecting from me if I don't get enough of the training? And most companies go, oh, you'll get the training. But you can see on their face like, oh, shit. We don't have any training. We don't have a training regimen. Then the second thing is, okay, where is the advancement from there? What is the requirement? Is there a degree? Is there this? Is there that? Put them because they don't have true policies. It's I feel like I like that guy. Oh, wait a minute. That's a friend of my friend, it's, and we're gonna so so arbitrary. But that's why you go on interviews. Why you have a job? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it allows you to pay a lot closer attention to those exactly. details. And and that's I think is one of the most important things that people look to be desperate. So they're desperate looking for a job as opposed to 
Yes. Let's see. Yes. Yeah. Most but, employers have the opportunity to offer a, a position to a desperate job seeker, right? Like, yep. And they love that. Yeah, absolutely. Like and they, I think they know, like they know it. That they, they, I think it's totally a, a shift in the way that HR approaches the negotiation if they know you're unemployed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, think so. I jumped into this position. I was unemployed, but I wasn't unemployed. But they know they needed me, so I was like, you know, I make this. I'm not walking in here with just this. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. But I appreciate your time. And the GM was like, you're going to have to give him more. No, 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 no. I, uh, let me make it clear. You will give him more than what he's been paid from his previous one. And I walked in fine. Yeah. But it, the thing is, it gets easier once you're tenured in your position or your specialty, not your position. Right. Which your spe- when you tenured in your specialty – and you can say, this is what I've done with this specialty. Exactly. They can't say a goddamn thing. Yeah. Unless you're another gender. And that's yeah, then, another then, story. Then yeah. other layers IT come into play like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah. So then you ask. Then you was like, let me get the fuck up out of here. And yeah. Yeah. So I started looking and um, that was literally. So, oh. Let me add on this real quick. I got in the car accident the like three days before my bachelor party. So my bachelor party happened, but I was like literally Percocets in bed. My buddy's wheeling me around. Like we went to a cabin in the mountains. That's fine. Migos like that. Yeah. We we went hiking. (laughs) I I made him take me hiking because I was in a wheelchair. I was like, you got to push me up these hills. Wow. That was good. I trolled him pretty good. I I liked it. But, you know, it it sucked. But um, And then like obviously two months after that wedding, right? Because of the whole like time off fiasco and everything, I had I had gone way into the negative from a paid time off perspective. Right. So, um, you know, let's jump to the March time frame. I got in the car accident late January. March comes around. I get married. Before getting married, I told my wife, and we had already discussed that my opportunity from cybersecurity was going to be far better in a bigger city right. than Tampa. So we had identified some cities in the southeast that I that she was comfortable moving to. Atlanta, Raleigh, Charlotte, right? Like oh, yeah. Major, major mm-hmm. tech hubs. Um, didn't really want to go north of Raleigh because she's a Puerto Rican. She's Florida born and bred pretty much. She ain't having that shit. Yeah, she's like, nah. <laughs> she's like, my mom lived in Pennsylvania because she was born in Pennsylvania, but she was like a very young baby when she moved to Florida. And she said, my mom told me we had, they had to shovel out their cars and scrape their windshields. That's but right. No. <laughs> <laughs> At Northeast, no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so, for part two of the interview, I want to get into your views of mm, cybersecurity. I want to start, kind of close it out on what we're experiencing right now, because I really like to get an expert view in regards to cybersecurity 